Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Today, we continue our series, Bold. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with this week's message. Uh, visiting this lady in the hospital. Uh, she's there to have surgery. And uh, not like major surgery, but anytime you go to the hospital uh, and you're having surgery, it's a little nervous, a little uh, nerve-wracking. And the chaplain came in while I was visiting this lady, and she was just minutes away from being wheeled off into surgery. And uh, she says, or, or the chaplain says, uh, can I pray with you? And she says, oh, yes, please, I could use all the prayer I could get. Please, please pray with me. And so he asks her, he says, um, well, what denomination are you? She kind of looks at him. He says, um, I don't really have a denomination. I'm, I'm Christian. And he goes, well, if I don't have, you know, if I don't know the denomination, you know, I don't know what prayer to pray for you. So uh, you've you got to have a denomination or I, I can't pray with you. And she said, well, um, I grew up Methodist. And so he goes, okay, okay. So he opens his little his book up, and he turns to the Methodist prayer, and he starts praying this prayer in this book. And she goes, I, I promise you, absolutely true story. She goes, stop, 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 wait, hold on, stop. And he, like, looks back at her, and she goes, you go find me somebody that can pray a prayer that's their own, or ain't nobody praying with me. I promise she was a sweet lady. She was an absolute uh, darling of a lady. She wasn't really mean, but she wanted somebody that, could, uh, that was going to pray just kind of spontaneously, extemporaneously. Um, nothing against written prayers. Um, I have nothing against written prayers. Apparently she did. Um, but anyway, today we're talking about praying bold Prayers. And we're not just going to talk about praying bold prayers. Here in just a few minutes, we're actually going to pray bold prayers. And so um, what I want to do is I want to kind of uh, walk us through another passage in the book of Acts as they uh, talk about and they end up praying bold prayers. Now last week, we said that boldness, that's what we're talking about for the next, this week and the next two weeks, we're talking about being bold Last week we said that boldness is behavior born out of belief. That, that what you believe about God affects how bold you are for God. And so I want to build upon that this week with another key thought uh, that goes like this. What you pray for reflects what you believe about God. The way that you pray and what you pray for reflects what you believe about God. Let me give you some examples. Uh, let's say you pray uh, very selfish prayers. Very Well, not selfish, but prayers that are all centered on you. Bless me, keep me, provide for me, watch over me, uh, meet my needs. Those, those kinds of prayers tend to, uh, tend to indicate that maybe you believe that God exists for your benefit. That God is this kind of uh, big grandfather in the sky that just doles out fives and twenties to his grandkids. Um, and so if all your prayers are kind of selfish, then, then maybe it, it indicates something about what you believe about God. Let's say all of your prayers are kind of small. Today we're going to actually talk about praying big prayers. But let's say all your prayers are kind of small, you know. Uh, thank you, Lord, for this food. Um, you know, now lay me down to sleep. All the, like, just kind of small. No, you're not, you're not praying any huge, earth-shattering 
uh, world difference making prayer. You're just kind of praying a small prayer. But if all your prayers are like that, then it might indicate that you have some, uh, some sort of lack in your faith in a big God. And lack in his, or, or, you know, struggle with the belief that God could do the impossible. Now, I like this one because I hear this all the time. Well, all we can do now is pray. So prayer for you is a some kind of last ditch effort, last resort. Like, like well, we've done, we tried, we tried to work the situation out with everything we've got. So now all we can do is pray, as if like God is the last person and He's up in heaven going, "Oh, finally, you gave me a chance." You know, I was wondering, I was just going to stay out of it for a few minutes, but. Since you were trying to take care of it on your own. So it might indicate that we believe that God isn't interested or, or God isn't willing or, or God's just totally disconnected from our world and is only uh, invited in the huge, big situations. And so what I want you to do is everybody have um, either a piece of paper or like your, your program. If you have your program with you, if you flip it over on the back, um, if you have a pen, I want you to just jot down real quickly. If you don't have a program with you or a pen to write with, you can just kind of think of it in your own mind. I just want you to jot down three or four things that you prayed for this week. Just three or four things that you prayed for this week. Just jot them down. Okay? Everybody doing that? While you're doing that, let me give you... Uh, you know, maybe you prayed for financial provision. Maybe you prayed for uh, a situation at work. Uh, maybe you prayed for uh, a neighbor beside you. Whatever, just three or four things down. Now, let me ask you a question, and this is going to hurt. Let's just go ahead and prepare you because uh, these are the two questions that I've been asking myself this week, and it hurt me, so I wanted to share that pain with you. Pastor's toe is not going to be the only one that got stepped on this week. If God answered every one of those prayers with a, an unequivocal yes, you just said it, prayed it, God took his rubber stamp, yes. How would the world be different? If God took every prayer that you prayed this week and just unequivocally said yes, 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 check, check, yes. Rubber stamp, yes. How would the world be different? For some of you, maybe you're single in this room and you'd be married. For others of you, maybe your spouse would start acting right. You know? Maybe he'd start picking up his clothes. Maybe she would, um, you know, be more interested and more exciting. Maybe you would have gotten that raise at work. Maybe you would have finally signed and they would have accepted the contract on the house you've been trying to buy. Maybe you would have sold a house. Maybe your grandma would be healed. Maybe your friend's marriage would be better. But for many of us, the only difference in the world is the world that's right around our little circle. Because for many of us, our prayers are only about the things inside our circle. Let me ask you this question. I was listening to a, a preacher preach, and, and he asked this question, and it hurt, and it tore my heart up. If God said yes to everything that you prayed for this week, how many lost and people, how many people far from God would find Jesus? 
Now, when he asked it, he admitted the same thing that I thought of. Oh, gosh, this week? Maybe none. Maybe none. Oh, God, what am I doing with my prayer life? Who am I praying for? Am I, pray- am I guilty of praying small, tiny uh, prayers that are just about my little circle, my little world? Now, if we want to make a big difference in the world, if we, want to, if we want to see change take place across our city, then it's time to pray some bold, audacious, earth-shattering prayers. And we're not just going to talk about it this morning. We're actually going to do it. I want to work through this passage of Scripture. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Acts chapter 4. We're still going to be there. Last week we were there, and we're going to continue this week. Last week we looked at two guys named Peter and John. They were followers of Jesus, and Acts is a collection of of stories from the early church as they are uh, continuing the mission and ministry of Jesus Christ in their world. And Peter and John are walking up to the temple to meet with some fellow believers and pray. And what happens is as they get to the gate of the temple, they see a guy laying there who had been crippled for 40 years. And so Peter and John say, well, you know, Jesus said and Jesus preached and Jesus healed people. And so we're going to pray and we're going to, we're going to reach down. And they, they prayed this for this guy and he got healed miraculously. He jumps up and he's running and leaping and, and dancing and he's just cutting a, you know, you know, whatever, dancing with the stars, all that stuff. He's just going crazy because he'd been crippled for 40 years years. Imagine if you couldn't walk for 40 years and then all of a sudden you could. You and I would be running around this place like, yeah, all right. So anyway, what happens is after that, some people start asking questions and Peter and John get arrested and they get brought before the Sanhedrin for trial and they start hurling questions and accusations and eventually they look these people in the eye and they say, look, if you really want to know how this guy got healed, it was by the name of Jesus Christ. Christ. By the way, this is the same Jesus that you crucified, but God raised from the dead. And so Peter and John don't struggle with boldness. As they're staring death in the face, they say, by the way, Jesus did this and you killed him. Bunch of idiots. So anyway, they, the, the Sanhedrin kind of confers and discusses this with each other, and they decide to release them. And so we pick up in verse 23 of chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. If not, uh, the scriptures will be on the screen. If you don't like looking at a screen, but you have a phone or a tablet with you, you can also follow along on an app called Uversion. It's a free download. You download that, click the little live link, and search for vertical, and you'll find all of the the notes for the morning message right there. So here we go. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So they go back to the other believers. They go back to the other other Christians. They go back to the other people who are trying to follow Jesus, and they say, hey, here's what happened. We were just going to the temple, and we got arrested because we prayed for a guy, and he got healed. Can you believe this? Not only were we arrested, but they had the whole Sanhedrin around us drilling us with questions. So they kind of just tell the story of what happened. Verse 24, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. 
Now, there's just something about praying together. There's just something powerful when people who believe in Jesus gather together to pray to Jesus about stuff. There's just something powerful about that. And if you hang around Vertical Church for very long, you're going to hear us talk about our small groups and the importance of community and the importance of, of gathering together with other, other believers and other people who are just trying to work out their, their life with Jesus because there's power in community. There's power in being connected with other people, and there's power when those people get together to pray. But if you're like me, can I be honest with you? This is going to sound odd coming from a pastor. I, I don't do well in prayer meetings. There's a couple of reasons. One, um, because I, I pray a, a little differently and I move around a lot, so I make people nervous. Um, so other people are kind of giving, they're doing the one-eye prayer. They're like, looking at me because I'm walking around and because if, if you can't tell I'm you know I'm throwing my hands around while I'm talking to you so if I'm talking to God I'm doing the same thing and so I, I'm awkward in that situation but here's really why is because every prayer meeting that I've ever been a part of it always ends with the big circle prayer you know and everybody's got to hold hands and I'm a little bit weirded out when I hold other people's hands that's not my wife or my kids because here's what happens okay Here's what happens. You've got several different kind of people in a prayer meeting circle. You've got, uh, you've got the dead fish hand. You know that person? You're like, you're, you, you take hold of their hand and they're just like this. You're like, come on, give me something to hold on to. I'm just. But then you got the exact opposite. You got like the tight gripper. And so they're like, they think they're on some kind of competition for world's strongest grip. And so you're. You know, they th everybody in the circle thinks you're having some kind of Pentecostal moment because you're like, <laughs> but you're not. You're just, you're just like crying because your hand is about to be crushed under the weight of this grip. But the worst, and if you struggle with this, we'll pray for you at the end of the service and God will heal you. Um, I call them clammy hands. You grab hold of their hand and it's like they just dunked it in a bucket of water. It's like, dude. So I get really weirded out in prayer meetings because, again, because all this stuff's going around in my head, and I'm like, I just leave me alone. I just want to pray. I don't want to hold hands and dead fish. And so one hand, you're like, you got nothing. The other hand's getting crushed. Anyway, so something powerful when people gather together for prayer, when people gather together to, to seek God and to, and to pray in his, in his name. And here's what they pray. If we continue to read verse 24, here are the words they pray. They start out, they say, Sovereign Lord. In other words, they say, they, they acknowledge right at the beginning of the prayer, God, you're in charge. God, this world is yours. God, I'm about to pray and I'm about to ask some crazy things and I ultimately realize that God, you are in charge of it all. You are sovereign. I'm working right here, but you're working up here. You're above it all. So they pray, they say, Sovereign Lord, they said, You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Verse 27, indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city 
to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. You know what I like about the first part of their prayer? Because this, this they're about to pray some two crazy, absolutely ridiculous prayers. But they start the entire time off in this kind of God-conscious reality. Because they say, God, you're in charge of it all. God, you created all of this. God, you even spoke and said what's happening to us right now would happen. God, you are ultimately in control of it all. I think they were reminding themselves of that. Because when you get in the middle of a situation that you don't really understand what's going on, when you're in the middle of a sickness that, that you can't, doctors don't, don't really know what's going on, when you're in the middle of a relationship that just isn't working out, there's just this confusion, just this, this, this mask over your face, and you don't really know what's going on. So sometimes it's really good just to remind ourselves, God, you're sovereign. Amen. You're in control. You, you see all of this, and none of this is held from your sight. Matter of fact, God, you created all of this, and you knew this was going to happen. You saw this before. And I think they're kind of positioning themselves also in, in, in kind of a right position of worship before God. I like that because, because that prayer begins not only with recognizing who God is and He's sovereign, but also, also giving Him praise for that. God, I praise you because you're sovereign. I praise you, God, because you're in control. And as they did that, as they pray this prayer, they pray the two boldest, most audacious prayers that you can imagine. And these are my prayers for our church. These are, these are praise, prayers that I pray, and I hope that you would pray and live the two things that they say. Because if we're going to make a difference in our world, and if we're going to make a difference in our city, we can't live this, this half-hearted, lukewarm kind of cultural Christianity. we got to be fully devoted followers who are living boldly for the name of Jesus. So the, the next two lines that they pray, I think, are just astounding. And here's what they say, Acts chapter 4, verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats. They've already been arrested. They were hurling insults, hurling questions, hurling threats at them. We're going to kill you if you don't shut up about this Jesus guy. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. They already stood trial and said Jesus is the one who did all this. Isn't boldness what got them in trouble in the first place? Isn't being bold what got them in the situation to begin with? If I could say something to them, it's like, look, guys, this got you, this will get you thrown in jail. You already got arrested. You need to back off a little bit. Your, your bold meter is pretty good right now. Boldness already got you picked up and already got you uh, questioned and investigated. You need to chill. Lay low for a minute and lighten up on this Jesus thing. You know, it's March Madness. You got tickets to the Final Four. Chill out. Relax. Have you ever prayed for boldness? Not a lot of people pray for boldness. Most people, most people never have. And I've wondered this week, because we talked about praying for boldness, boldness last week, and I wondered why. Why don't people pray for boldness? And I think some of us never thought about it. It just never came to our 
our mind. Just, I've never thought about praying for boldness. For some of us, it's really scary. Like, oh, gosh, boldness. Oh, I don't want to be that kind of Christian. You know, annoying, frustrating kind of. But here's the bottom line. I think, I think we don't pray for boldness because ultimately a prayer for boldness is an other-centered prayer. It's not a selfish prayer. And most of the time, let's just be real honest, most of the time our prayers are very self-centered. It's all about me. Let me do good on that presentation. Let me get an A on that test. Let me get that job that I've been looking for. Dear God, please, by the time I wake up in the morning, let that pimple that's in the middle of my forehead go away. (laughs) But I've been praying this week. God, make me bold. Lord, make me bold. Make me bold. Because, because when you're bold, the reason it's an other-centered, other-centered prayer is because you're not just bold to yourself. You can't be bold in isolation. You can't be bold by your, you know, I can be bold in my living room at 12 o'clock at night and nobody else is there. But that's not boldness. Boldness is boldness because it's lived out in, in community. So I've been praying, God, make me bold. And when you pray for it, as the scripture illustrates, God gives it to you. And when you get it and you pray more, God gives it to you more. Because listen to what they say in verse 30. This is absolutely ridiculous. Acts chapter 4, verse 30. Not only do they pray for boldness, but they say, Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Let's be honest. Most of the prayers that we pray, they're small prayers. They're little prayers. They're prayers that go, God, be with me today. Just be with me. Just be with me today. And it's like, kind of like God is saying, um, I kind of already promised that. And you can ask for it, and you can make that your prayer, but whether you ask for it or not, I'm going to do it anyway. Right? God's like, I've, I've already said I wouldn't leave you. I wouldn't forsake you. I've already, you don't really have to pray for that. God, be with me. We pray, a lot, a lot of times we wake up and we're like, thank you for this day, God. Thank you for this day. And God's kind of like, you know, you've said that for the last 43 years. I get it. I know you're thankful for the day. And the best one, the best one, and I pray this. I pray, you know, you're getting ready to leave somewhere. And you're like, God, just keep us safe. And I've I really think sometimes God has a sense of humor because I can hear him saying, you know what? Put your seatbelt on, drive the speed limit. Odds are you're going to arrive safely. <laughs> Won't you pray something a little bit more boldly? God's kind of like, would you ask me something hard? Why don't you ask me something so that when I do it and perform it, everyone's going to know that I'm the only one that could do this? Because here's what they're, they're actually asking. When they say, God, stretch out your hands, perform miraculous signs. Do you know what a sign is? A sign is this, this thing, this event that points to something else. So they say, here's what they say, God, we want you to heal and perform miraculous signs, and then if you would put it in parentheses, so that when people see them, they're going to know that the redemption power of Jesus Christ is alive and powerful, and if he can do that, then he can save their life. That's what a sign is for. That's what healing is about. It's about 
It's, about, it's a sign that God's power and authority is already coming into our reality. It's a sign that, that God's plan, that God's dream, that God's vision for our life is being made known right now. That it's breaking into our present. It's not just a simple prayer of let, you know, let me get to the future. Let me get to heaven when I die. But it's more of a prayer that says, God, let that life in heaven happen now. Let it begin to spring up now. Let it begin to kind of butt up now. So I'm not saying that we need to stop praying for small things. I'm just saying when you pray, add some big things in there. Spice it up with some, with some miraculous signs and wonders. You may be wondering, why don't people pray for miracles? I think some people just don't believe. I, I really do. I mean, don't, I, I did the seminary thing. There are some people that just don't believe. They think it's impossible. God wouldn't do that anymore. I didn't... I must have, that, that chapter must have not got printed in my Bible. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to like bash somebody else for their beliefs. If you believe that in this room, then we can talk about it. But I don't read that in there where it says, you know what, I'm not going to do that anymore. When I, when I close off the book, God's still healing people. God's still performing signs and wonders. Here's some of the things that I struggle with, though. Because I don't struggle with it. Because I believe God does, still does it. But here's the things that I struggle with. I don't want to be disappointed. And I don't want to disappoint other people. I don't want to lay hands on somebody and pray the prayer of faith and then have them leave disappointed if, if God doesn't do it. And so I have that real fear. And I don't want to make God look bad. I don't want to make God look bad. And a lot of us do this. Here's, here's how a lot of us kind of rationalize that away because we always tag this line to our prayers and it's good and and I understand the sentiment but but I'll tell you what I think is really the underlying reason a lot of times we tag our prayers with if it be your will Lord if it be your will because really God I need to give you an escape clause that way if it doesn't happen I can say well I guess it wasn't God's will but we tag our prayers with if it be your will so God has a little escape clause well but here's where I'm at. Here's what's stirring up inside of me. And I, I don't, I want to get to the place where I don't even hesitate. I don't even, I don't even ponder. I don't even, I don't even wait. I'll pray anywhere about anything at any time. That's where I, I want to get to the place where I have no fear. Because I've seen God do the impossible before, so I know that he can do it today. So I want to get to the place where I'm not hesitating and I'm not fearful, but I'm, I'm standing in the, in the boldness that comes from knowing Christ and knowing his power. Because here's what I've kind of discovered this week as I've just kind of let this thing beat through me. Because the question that many of you have right now, well, does that mean God always does it? Does that mean God's always going to do what we ask him to? No, it doesn't. Sometimes you pray and it doesn't happen. Sometimes you pray for your grandma to be healed and it doesn't work out the way you wanted it to. Sometimes you pray to get the job that is your dream job and somebody else gets it. But here's where my faith is moving, my, moving me to. My faith in God is moving me to the place 
where God is big enough and my faith is big enough so that if God says no, I still trust him to be sovereign. That's where my faith is moving me. That's where I'm trying to to get in my relationship with God. That my faith can handle God saying no or God saying not yet because he is sovereign. And he's in charge and he's in control. But it doesn't give, see, it's a different place. It doesn't give me a a reason to not pray. It just just gives me a, a confidence and assurance that once I pray, it's not up to me. It's not up to me. God simply instructs us to pray. He's the one who's sovereign. It's his power. It's not my power. Just says, pray the prayer of faith. Just pray. If God does it, great. If God does it, my faith in him is strong enough to say, you know what? He's sovereign. He's in control. And so here's what happens. Acts chapter 4, verse 31 They pray this prayer that they say, God, you are in control. God, you're sovereign. You're in charge. You created all of this. You even knew this was going to happen before it even happened. Now, God, would you let us speak boldly? And would you stretch out your hand to perform miraculous signs and wonders? And then they wrap it up like this. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. So there's some kind of like shaking going on, right? Really fighting my ADD to make a joke there. There's a whole lot of shaking going on. Sorry, I had to say it. You were thinking it, so I had to say it. Just get the tension over with. So after, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And catch this, they spoke the word of God boldly. Now, if you're... If you're following along in that passage of Scripture, they prayed that they would speak with great boldness. And at the end of the passage, they're speaking with great boldness. Which tells my mind that they also prayed, Lord, stretch out your hand and perform these miraculous signs and wonders. If God answered the boldness prayer, I'm pretty sure he answered that prayer. Now, if we continue reading the story, we see time and time again. God does the miraculous. God does the sign. God does the wonder. And so like I said this morning, we're not just going to be content to talk about praying bold prayers. We're actually going to move into a time where we practice praying bold prayers. Some of you this morning came because you're struggling with some kind of uh, physical ailment or physical sickness or some kind of relational um, conflict and you're praying that God would do just that that he would stretch out his hand into your life into your situation to perform the miraculous like I said here's where my faith is we're going to pray for that and we're going to believe God we're going to have this just honest even juvenile Trust in God. And we're going to celebrate when it works out the way we prayed for it to. And we're going to celebrate when it works out the way we didn't pray for it to because God is sovereign. And He's in control. And He just instructs us to pray. He instructs us to to bring it before Him. And James, 
He says, is there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church to come forward. Lay hands on them in the prayer of faith. It's powerful. So he tells us to do it. And so in faith, we're going to do it. So I want to pray. And we're going to move into a special time this morning. God, I pray that you would stir us up. God, that you would stir our faith up. God, that you would that you would create inside of us an expectation, a, a, a holy anticipation for what you want to do and what you can do through our lives. While we're praying right now, everybody with your, your head still bowed and we're still praying right now, if you want to believe God for big things, you say, I'm, no, I'm not content to pray small, selfish prayers. I want to begin praying big, other-centered, God-focused, God-conscious prayers. Would you just slip your hand up right now? Right now. Thank you, God. We want to pray big prayers. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.